Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott and Chilson Chrysler Dodge, Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-backed coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. Hey, did you know Bluff Country is located in Mondovi? And it's your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier. Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Friday morning at Wax. Glad to have you along here. And uh, if you're on a plane, be careful which direction you're going. I, my youngest son is supposed to get on a plane this morning to fly to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for a wedding. One of his buddies. Not going to happen. They've canceled the flights out that way, which is obviously a smart thing to do. So, again, if you're going on a plane today, make sure you're not going to the southeastern parts of this country because it's not a pretty picture out there with that hurricane. It really has done some damage in places that have never seen that kind of damage before. So be careful. I know a lot of folks around here have places in Naples and Fort Myers and I got a friend, a high school friend that has a house on Sanibel Island down there in the Fort Myers area. Can't get to it. The bridge is out. The only way you can get there is by a boat. He's got boats, but oh my goodness. And uh, he's got a business in Fort Myers, a bar down there, Parrot Key. And I'm not sure uh, what it's at. I haven't uh, talked to him, just seen some of his posts that it's nasty down in that part of the country. So... Don't go to Florida anytime soon, even if you got you got property down there. You're not going to be able to do much with it. Around here, nothing like that as we look at our Friday forecast. About 68, 70 tomorrow and first chance of showers. I don't know, yesterday Mike said maybe later on, but I don't see that. We'll double check with him later on. And for Tuesday, we'll have clouds with a chance of showers, but temperature is going to be upper 60s to around 70. So we got some beautiful weather around here. Nothing like what's going on in Florida. But we got a lot of stuff to do. Smithfield Foods, yeah, one of the big meat processors in the country. They're owned by a Chinese outfit. They got caught doing some things wrong. Had to pay a big, big fine. The supply chain bottleneck, is it getting better? We'll take a look at that. And uh, this is a busy weekend for agriculture. World Dairy Expo begins on Sunday. Also, the wolf population. What's going on with the wolf population? Just saw the 2022 survey of how many wolves we've got in Wisconsin. We got a lot. 
And we'll also talk about, uh, well, National 4-H Week. We talked about that a little bit yesterday with Heidi Benson from Chippewa County. And we got more to talk about, too. World Dairy Expo, dairy product competition, a lot of processors, dairy cheesemakers, butter makers from our area did very, very well in that competition. We got a lot to do this morning. We'll tell you about the weather, which is a whole lot nicer around here than it is in other parts of the country. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Oh, I think that's working. I think she's still sleeping this morning. Jill not with us today. She's taking some time off, got a few things to do. So we'll let her uh, sleep in a little bit this morning. And not a bad morning to sleep in as we're mostly in the upper 30s to low 40s. A few folks over to the west are in the 50s already this morning. It's warming up. 68, partly cloudy today. Tomorrow, partly cloudy in about 70. Partly cloudy Sunday and Monday, upper 60s, low 70s, 69 on Tuesday. Cloudy with a chance of showers, 43 right now in Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls. Hayward's 52, Ellsworth 52. we got some warmer weather moving in from the west. Yeah, it's a minute after 5. This is 104.5 FM WAXX. So, Claire, how about some news on a Friday morning? NBC News Radio, I'm Trey Thomas. President Biden is approving the South Carolina Emergency Declaration. On Thursday, the president ordered a federal response to South Carolina to assist with any potential emergencies that come with Hurricane Ian. Earlier, Biden praised FEMA workers responding to Ian. They're always going to be above and beyond the running toward danger and to save lives. Most people want to run away from it. These guys run toward it. Biden's emergency declaration comes one day after South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster declared a statewide state of emergency. Ian is expected to make landfall in Myrtle Beach around noon on Friday. Parts of Florida are in shambles in the aftermath of Ian. The storm made landfall Wednesday as a Category 4 and brought water surges up to six feet high. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis reports millions in the Sunshine State are still in the dark. There are 2.6 million approximately reported power outages through throughout the state of Florida. So far, at least a dozen people have been reported dead, but over 700 have been safely rescued. A federal judge in Florida is extending the deadline for the review of documents seized from former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Mark Mayfield fills us in. On Thursday, the judge ruled that the special master overseeing the review now has until December the 16th, citing delays in hiring a vendor to scan the thousands of documents. The special master, New York Judge Raymond Deary, previously had faced a November the 30th deadline. I'm Mark Mayfield. Disney World and Universal Studios are announcing their plans to reopen after Hurricane Ian. You're listening to NBC News Radio. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Four minutes after five o'clock, and boy, it's a nice morning. 43 degrees around here, and going to get up to about 68. Another beautiful day to get some work done. So again, we'll urge you, do it safely. People that uh, aren't understanding of how powerful this equipment is, keep them away from it. If you're going to repair it, turn it off. So let's let's keep it safe because uh, we're into a busy time of the year. And boy, I'll tell you, we haven't been in a rush 
to get the torn, corn chopped because of bad weather coming. So we've had a pretty good window of opportunity here. So let's keep it that way. Let's keep it safe. And the weather will continue to be pretty nice. Partly cloudy today, 68. Same thing Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Cloudy on Tuesday. Maybe a chance of showers at that time. We'll check that out with Mike Dandry here in just a little bit. But again, upper 60s, low 70s throughout the next four or five days at least. We'll find out how long this weather's continuing. As we've said, we'll catch up with Mike Dandry later on. Warmer out to the west this morning and even up to the north. Northwest, Hayward 52, Ellsworth 52, Rice Lake 47, Medford 38, Wausau 41, 39 in Marshfield this morning. Lacrosse 44, Green Bay 41, Madison, Sun Prairie. They're in a fog this morning down there. Well, they usually are down around the Madison area, at least when I think the legislature is in session. But a little foggy around Madison and 40. Milwaukee at 46 and a very pleasant 43 degrees right now outside our back door. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's get to the chores as we look at our markets, courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance. Cash livestock on a Friday morning. Choice fed beef steers 138 to 159, mix 90 to $1.37. Choice fed beef heifers 136 to 155, mixed 80 to 135. Choice fed Holstein steers 132 to 139. The select and silage fed Holsteins 85 to 130. Cows, 63 to 110. Bulls, 70 to 107. Butcher hogs this week trading mostly 75 to 89. The sows, 53 to 58. Boars, 22 to 25. Shorn market lambs, dollar to dollar fifteen. Unshorn, 95 to 105. Feeder lambs, 50 to two dollars. Ewes, 75 to 105. Small goats, 10 to 135. Medium, 100 to 250 dollars. Large goats, 145 to 500 dollars. And the nanny goats, 20 to 245 dollars. Livestock futures, cattle prices were higher, hogs mostly lower. October live cattle 144.12 at the close yesterday. That's up a dollar seven. December live cattle 147.77 up a dollar and a half. The February price 151.35 up a dollar 17 and April at 154.97 up a dollar 10. Feeder cattle for October at 177.32. That was up 232. November up 255 at 177.82. January feeder cattle 178.42 up 247. And March at 180.50 up 222. Hogs were mostly lower, but not completely. October was higher. October lean hog carcass contracts finished the day at 89.45. That was up 7 cents. December 75.72 down a dime. February 79.07, that was down 40, and April was down 45 at 84.77. Board of Trade yesterday was mixed. Corn and uh, wheat were lower, quiet trade with a little profit taking in the wheat. Beans were higher on good demand for oil. Overnight, markets mostly higher on the board in the overnight trade. December corn this morning up four at 674. 
The oats up four three eighty six. December wheat over nine dollars, up nine cents at nine oh five. November soybeans up six at fourteen seventeen, and meal up a dollar and a half a ton. $408.70. Dairy markets uh, were mixed. Barrel cheese up four and a half at two twenty-four and a half. The block cheese down two and a quarter at one ninety-six and three quarters. Double A butter down two cents, three fourteen and a half, but still in some pretty lofty territory. September class three down two cents, nineteen eighty-seven. October was up nine at twenty-one ninety-four. November down eleven at twenty eighty-one. December down twenty-four at twenty fifty. January down twenty at twenty thirty. As those class three prices were mixed out into next summer. Well, you're starting to put some plans together for your farming operation for the futures. You want to split entities. You got uh, some challenges that uh, you need to do some of those things. Bridget Finky's going to give us a little insight into that next, right here on Wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, with Bridget, and this will be our program for... Most farms nowadays are are very involved. We've got lots of things going on on the farm. We've got cropping. We've got livestock. We've got uh, a lot of things happening. But as far as different business enterprises on the farm, how much should we split them up just in conversation, or do we need to have it on a contract? That's a question that ran through my mind, so I called Bridget Finke, our resident attorney with Valley Crossing Law in the Baldwin area. And Bridget, what about the idea of splitting entities legally versus uh, just as we talked last week or last month, the handshake type of concept? How important is it to look at these issues? Well, ultimately, if what we're talking about is splitting things up is trying to give various people in the operation their own sphere of management and control. So you're the cow guy, and I'm the crop guy, and, you know, someone else is the business guy. If it's just about management issues, then kind of your handshake or just the how we go about running the day-to-day of our operation, that that really we don't have to get too concerned about um, having that locked down on paper. But if we are looking to keep things separate for to try to get take advantage of some tax benefits potentially, or we want to break up the value of the entity to make it easier or simpler to transition it to the next generation. With some of these farms, I mean, we're talking about a lot of zeros on that net worth. And um, so trying to transition slowly over time, you know, giving um, trying to give someone an annual exclusion gift of 16000 if you're talking about the whole operation, that's an awfully thin slice of pie. It probably wouldn't uh, satisfy you very much at Thanksgiving to get that small of a piece of that pumpkin pie. Um, or even more importantly, sometimes what folks are looking to do is isolate liability. So the land isn't at risk of what's going on with the custom cropping, isn't at risk of the bull getting out and um, and hurting somebody. Then having that stuff down on paper becomes pretty important. As you look at that as well, and many of these farm entities have families. Maybe it will take over the, the custom cropping or the dairy or the livestock or whatever business end of things. 
But what about if we're bringing in some family members and maybe some non-family members, someone that's worked with a farm for many, many years and feels like a part of the family, but they're not blood relatives? Then how important is it to have more than a handshake so that uh, if something happens, it works out equitably, whatever that word means, for all parties involved? Sure. Um, in you know, one example might be that you bring in the herdsman, and maybe the herdsman gets a, a base wage, but then also gets some sort of bonuses or you know profit sharing, so to speak, of hitting certain um, you know milk quality standards or whatever other kind of um, measurements that you could put on. How do we know that our herdsman's doing a good job? Right. Um, well, then that that herdsman is going to be very interested in making sure that hey, if if the cows are in their own entity, that you're doing a good job of putting in the books of that entity the you know the milk income and the expenses and that all of those um, transactions that might happen through other pieces of the business. Um, you know what am, what am I paying for? For the feed coming off the land that's also owned by the family, how is that measure being set to know whether I'm being treated fairly on, on whether those cows are really making money or not making money? Because you, you can imagine a 20% swing in feed costs could sure make a difference on your bottom line there. Um, and so, and look, those having those separations not only for family harmony you get outsiders in the mix you've got the irs looking over your shoulder of making sure things are done right um there is nothing that makes people happier than when they get the knock on the door from the irs that they're easily able to reach in the file cabinet and have proof of everything you know supporting documentation for how everything got treated on that tax return. And again, Bridget Finke, we'll have more on this with Bridget, but splitting entities on the farm. When you get uh, more people coming into into the business and uh, old enough to take some uh, some of the power, so to speak, and uh, different entities on the farm, how do you split it? What are the best ways? Bridget Finke from Valley Crossing Law over there in the Baldwin area with us. And uh, as we said, we'll... We'll have more on this as uh, we go along because it's very important here as we get uh, more family members involved. 16 minutes after 5, we'll take a look at some of our news. Lots going on. Agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 17 minutes after 5 o'clock. Again, 43 degrees, 68, partly cloudy. Beautiful day today around here. Well, Smithfield Foods, Smithfield Foods, one of the big process, one of the big four in this country, based in Virginia, but owned by a Chinese company, got caught with their hands in the cookie jar a little bit too deep. Earlier this week in a Minneapolis courtroom, Smithfield agreed to pay $75 million to settle a lawsuit that accuses the company of conspiring to inflate prices in the $20 billion a year U.S. pork market by limiting supply. Now, this wasn't a guilty verdict. They just said they'd pay it based on the charges. This week's settlement follows earlier court rulings against Smithfield 
totaling about $125 million in fines to other accusers of market manipulation by Smithfield. According to reports in Reuters News Service, Smithfield officials agreed to this week's fine because it will reduce distractions, risk, and the protracted threats of more litigation. Smithfield is the world's largest pork company, but they also handle beef and poultry, and they are also facing similar lawsuits from those two industries. Earlier this month, the judge also approved a $20 million settlement between consumers and JBS, another of this country's largest meat processors. So the processors writing some big checks on some of these charges. Well, is the supply chain bottleneck coming under control? Port Authority officials are now reporting shipping container costs are down over 60% from the start of the year. Those containers, if you can find them, are now going for $5,250 each at West Coast Ports. In January, they were costing 14000 On the East Coast, those containers now cost $9,215 versus $16,000 back in January. And West Coast Port Authority officials also say the backlog of ships in their harbors is not as big an issue as it was earlier this year. Back in January, there were 109 ships backed up at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Now there are none. Interesting to follow that story as well. And the uh, DNR survey of the wolf so wolf packs and the wolf population in this country is over. The uh, numbers now estimate the size of the wolf pack or the wolf uh, herd in Wisconsin between 812 and 1193. Most likely estimate right around 972 wolves. And a total number of packs estimated between 243 and 352. So there could be 350 packs of wolves in the state. And uh, again, interesting numbers. There are wolves out there. We all know it. But uh, how many are there? All right. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the cranberry harvest and the cranberry crop in Wisconsin. Uh, it's the biggest in the country. Next, right here on Wax. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Most of the crop reports we hear now are what's going on with the corn and soybean harvest, and they seem to be moving along fine for corn silage and early soybeans. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, but uh, one crop we don't get a lot about, and we probably should get more because Wisconsin is far and away the largest grower of the every state in cranberries even across the world with the largest grower and stephanie that harvest that beautiful harvest is also underway isn't it or will be soon at least it is underway bob and the berries coming off the vine at the start of the harvest were actually pretty pale um, pale pink but that'll change now that the temperatures are starting to fall and there is still use for those white or pink cranberries i'm stephanie hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in madison I went to Habelman Brothers Company in Toma. They are a fresh market grower, so the harvest may look a little different than what you've seen before. For example, the bogs are not fully flooded and the cranberries aren't all floating on the top. CEO Ray Habelman explains how he harvests his berries, and he also tells me what he expects this year in terms of yield. We're a little different because we're fresh cranberry growers, uh, so our harvest technique is a lot different. We use less water. 
Um, only about three four percent of the cranberry growers in North America are fresh growers like we are. Um, it's more labor intensive, and we use different equipment, and we use a lot less water. Um, and because of all those factors, it takes us a while too. So our harvest will last at least seven weeks, where most cranberry growers are done in four or five days. Yeah. Well, why go through all the trouble then? What is it about your technique for fresh berries that you know requires uh, something a little different? Uh, so the fresh berry we package for stores and thanks for Thanksgiving and Christmas time. So it has to be very high quality. Um, if you want a high quality cranberry, you have to treat it gently. That's why our harvest technique is different. Uh, we use different equipment that gently pulls the cranberry off the vine versus a process grower, which would use equipment that knocks it off. So we gently remove the cranberry, we dry off the surface water, and then we put them in our storage coolers for long-term storage until the store needs them. Let's reflect on the months leading up to the harvest, uh, starting with the spring when the cranberry first comes out of dormancy. How was the growing season for you? The growing season was great. It was a nice um, summer. It was kind of dry, which we like to see dry summers because we can add um, irrigation water to them as, as they need it. Um, coming out of the ice, they didn't look great, but they sure caught up in a hurry. So they were a week and a half or two weeks behind most of the spring and summer. Um, but then they caught up. Uh, they're a little bit behind now, but they're getting there. So it was a great growing season for cranberries. People need to understand, too, though, when a, your cranberries are behind, it doesn't mean you can delay harvest because you are kind of you have a deadline there, too. So tell me why that is. Right. Being in Wisconsin, it can get really cold towards the end of October and early November. So when we start harvest, we always have a deadline in sight of November 1st or 2nd. Uh, we use water for our harvest, and we cannot have ice. So... We have to start and get them done and get them in our cooler before winter sets in. I want to talk about pests and disease. Did you see any pressure on your cranberries? We saw very little pest pressure this year. Um, even though the growing temps were nice and warm and it was humid most of the summer, we did not have a lot of bugs, which is great. We do a spring flood where we flood all of the cranberry beds with water to kill most of the pests. That's in May. And we had really, really good control from that spring flood, and I think that helped. Yeah. Again, I want to go back to the labor intensity that you, you spoke of that harvest entails. Was it difficult at all for you to get a workforce? That's kind of the conversation we've been having since the pandemic, really, was labor shortages. Yeah, it's hard, and it's getting more difficult every year. Um, we have 30 full-time employees, but we need a couple hundred employees right now to get the fruit into the um, coolers and to get packed. So we are having difficulty, but for now, uh, we're doing okay. And uh, we may have to slow down a little bit on, um, on occasion just because of lack of labor, but we'll get through them. Well, and even you and I were chatting earlier in the in the packaging uh, facility. You're running at three quarters the amount you normally would. Yeah. I would say three quarters is uh, really accurate. So as the season progresses, we'll keep trying to get more employees to get up to full staff. Um, but it might take a while to get there if we ever get there. How do you recruit? Is there a secret to it, or are you offering any kind of incentives uh, to get people through the door? Um, so we start advertising back in August that we need help, and we do it over the radio, um, print ads and magazines and newspapers, and online. We have a pretty decent bonus structure that we talk to the employees about that helps. 
We did have to increase all of our starting wages by $2 an hour this year just to try to get some interest in people coming. Um, so, yeah, we start really early in the summer trying to recruit for, for the fall harvest. Seven weeks is about your timeline for roughly 700 acres of, of cranberries. Do you project to to get done on time? Tell me, is there anything, any, any complications that you'd be worried about that would you know make harvest a little difficult? Yep. The biggest complication is Mother Nature, and sometimes it can get really cold, even in early October. So if it gets really cold, we have to shut down harvest during the day because there's too much ice in the cranberry vines, and we cannot run them through our dryer. Um, so that's the biggest one is the cold. It's a fine line because you also need those cold temperatures to help the, the berries ripen. Explain to people the science behind that. Sure. Um, you know, the cranberries will ripen on their own, but a little bump start with some cold weather makes a huge difference. So we're looking at, hopefully we'll get some nights where it gets down in the 20s, and that will take a lot of those cranberries that are just kind of pink or starting to turn red, and it'll kind of jump start them and get them nice and dark. Yeah. I didn't know this until I visited your facility. There is a use for any color of cranberry, and just maybe in a different area. Uh, we were walking through today, and the early harvest, some of those cranberries are pretty pale. Where do they go? Right. So our first week of harvest, we're always fighting with some cranberries that might be a little bit too light-colored. Um, so we will separate those out of the rest of the cranberries and send them to a freezer, and then a customer will most likely make a concentrate out of them, mix them with a bunch of darker cranberries to get just the right color cranberry juice. And it's normally the northwestern part of the U.S. that that needs those lighter colors to balance out their own berries. Yeah, they have some really dark cranberries up in Washington and Oregon, so they like our uh, lighter colored fruit so they can mix it to make their juice. Are yours ever declared as too dark? Um, Not typically. Even later in the season, when we're harvesting into almost November, um, they don't get too dark in Wisconsin. And again, the cranberry harvest, the most beautiful harvest in the state of Wisconsin. Brent Wink is with us. Uh, No offense to the corn and soybean harvest, but uh, that cranberry harvest, those red berries and the changing leaves and the blue sky, beautiful. Yes, it is. It's uh, colorful. It really is. It really is. And we'll talk to Brent about the harvest, which... uh, is move have you got any test weights yet or have you done any of that uh haven't really heard okay. much on corn but soybeans okay. are coming off so okay good we're... so we'll get an update with brent on all that stuff as we cover the crops for winfield united this morning but uh 29 minutes after five morgan says i gotta go so she's next Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, Morgan McCarthy's in the newsroom. Uh, I know you and Alex always come in together. Do you drive in the morning or does Alex? He drives, but I hang on for dear life. <laughs> well, you had to today because at Eau Claire, they're painting the white lines. Mm-hmm. And it's like a slalom course with all the uh, those uh, little cones that they've got on the road there. I. I did a couple of bat turns today to try and get here because following it. We've been used to doing the uh, the agility commute in because the, all of that work on I ninety four. Anybody that's driven that course the, over the summer knows that. I think they add more barrels rather than take them away <laughs> as they go through it. I think they yeah. do, but uh, hopefully everybody stays safe. 
What's going on? Well, of course, that orange is part of this time of year in Wisconsin for sure. So if you are commuting, careful for some of those construction projects that continue into the fall here. In headlines that keep us in our area, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We'll start in Dunn County. A sad story there as the sheriff is calling a four-year-old's death an accident with 715 Newsroom coverage. John DeMaster takes us to a farm. This was in Peru, just south of Menominee. Investigators say the little boy died Wednesday after a relative ran him over with a skid loader. While working on the family farm, deputies got the call Wednesday night. They say the little boy was pronounced dead at the scene. I'm John DeMaster. In other headlines, prosecutors in Eau Claire are dismissing charges against a man who threatened the city's school board president because he's already in prison. A judge this week dismissed the case against 33-year-old Jeremy Hansen from California. Investigators say he threatened school board president Tim Nordine back in March over Eau Claire's school policy that hides gender transition issues at school. Hansen is serving time in federal prison for a similar threat in another case. Prosecutors say there's no need to move ahead here with that local case. Looking into public health, just three counties in Wisconsin reporting high coronavirus case levels now, and they're all in the northwestern part of our state. The CDC says most of Wisconsin is seeing low coronavirus activity. It's just Rusk, Barron, and Sawyer that are higher. More information online, you can always find a click to DHS at 715newsroom.com. Of course, we've been keeping some close eyes on Florida as the Sunshine State peels back the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, but there is a Wisconsin connection. Utility workers across our state are gearing up to go help rebuild utility systems in Florida after the devastation. Wisconsin Public Service spokesman Matt Cullen says they've cleared all of their outside contracted workers to head south. At this time, Wisconsin Public Service crews have not been requested to help with that effort. However, we are continuing to participate in industry mutual aid calls and we'll be evaluating any additional requests if we should receive them. And the city of Plymouth is providing two tree trimmers, six linemen. They hit the road yesterday morning to help the recovery efforts in Florida as millions are without power. And that number could increase as Ian makes landfall across the East Coast again sometime in the next few days. And just a side note here, locally as well, there will be a blood drive at the courthouse. Type O blood is what the Red Cross is asking as they help with rescue efforts there as well. And you can always find more information online, 715newsroom.com. We send you back to the bar and we have Bob Brent in this morning doing the chores with him as well on Wax 104.5. Do you know what type of blood you have? You, you just mentioned, oh, do you know what type of blood you've got? I don't. Um, I don't either. Yeah. Know, I, I should. Everybody should, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, it, like, if you go down the list of the checklist of vital information you should have about yourself, mm-hmm. that's blank in my world. But the thing is, I don't feel terrible. I asked my mom, and she doesn't remember either. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I said. I don't think most people do. Yeah, it's not. It's not always top of mind. No, it's not. But mm-hmm. uh, I know my brother said, "Hey, you ought to get tested because his blood is." I don't know, O negative or something, mm-hmm. which is a universal donor. He said, I don't know, something like that. So, again, some some folks are and it's very that, important to yeah, donate. The, it's that universal blood yeah. type that really helps during times like mm-hmm. this, especially in those relief efforts. So maybe you and I have a date. I hear you get a cookie afterwards, Bob. So, I, you I really? yeah, you get a cookie after you donate blood. Well, that's not a bad deal. That's what I thought might get uh-huh. your ears perked. You got your glass of milk ready? <laughs> I'll go Duncan. I've always got milk ready. That's what I figured. <laughs> See you later. You bet, Bob. There goes Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom. So, let's find out. We've been talking about uh, being outside and all the things going on. What's the weather going to be like? Uh, a lot better here than down in the southeastern part of the country. Mike Dandria joins us. Good morning, Mike. He's over there, and he doesn't have his headset on yet. I do now. There he does. Now he does. Okay, now, now get up to a microphone so we can hear you. I'm just trying to get the headset untangled through all of the uh, 
through the bottom here. I was like hurrying back in, and all of a sudden, all the wires get tangled underneath the chair. It's kind of like a hose. Man, a hose or an extension cord. Who used this and didn't wind it up right? Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to do this awkward little hunch while I'm right. doing the weather. Well, you you do your... I'll tell you what. You, uh, you uncoil yourself, and I'll tell the folks that our weather this morning here on Wax is brought to you by Marika Gouda in Thorpe. And, of course, uh, Marika... She had, oh, she had office core over there the other day making cheese and making cheese curds. And uh, Thorpe, don't forget, Thorpe has Pumpkin Fest, I believe it is, this weekend. So a lot of beautiful curds are going to be there from Marika Gouda. So a uh, beautiful weekend for that, I think, too, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it'll be a Gouda weekend. And, uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, leading up to it, today is going to be great, too. A good bit of sunshine, maybe a couple passing clouds into the afternoon, but staying dry, upper 60s for our highs. A couple clouds stream in through the overnight as we dip to the upper 40s for our lows, and we may have just a slight chance at a couple sprinkles here and there. Mostly sunny for tomorrow, near 70 degrees again, partly cloudy tomorrow night, upper 40s for our lows. Sunday, we may have a little bit more cloud cover, at least into the early going of the day. Mid to upper 60s for our highs. Again, very similar night on Sunday, partly cloudy upper 40s. And uh, going into Monday, good bit of sunshine back into the upper 60s and low 70s. But then we have a chance at some showers going into Tuesday and Wednesday with a good bit of cloud cover hanging around. And our temperatures slowly start to dip mid-60s by Wednesday, and then they drop like a rock going into Thursday. We'll have a good bit of sunshine, but our winds start to shift a little bit more out of the north. And our highs will only climb to the low 50s. And right now, looking at mostly clear conditions in Eau Claire and a temperature of 43 degrees. Now, is there a chance of some showers later on? I was trying uncoil my own cord over <laughs> here. A slim chance through the overnight. Okay. But I think for the high school football games, they mostly will be dry. And I think that's good news for the parents. You know, some of the kids, uh, I know from being a kid, I uh, I enjoyed playing in the rain. But uh yeah, I don't think the parents enjoy sitting in it too much. No, I don't think so, but uh, <laughs> you got if you're a parent, you do what you got to do. Exactly. Have a good weekend, Mike. You too, Bob. We'll talk to you next week. You bet. Mike Dandrio over there at Skywarn 13. Well, I lied. Marika Goody is with us this morning, but uh, she's not sponsoring our weather. She's going to do our uh, calendar and more of our farm news this morning, but uh, we do have a great, great sponsor on our weather. Our weather, brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Chippewa Valley Bean, the world's largest kidney bean processor based in Menominee, wishes all our great Wisconsin farmers a productive and successful harvest of the 2022 crop. While you harvest, it's the perfect time to be looking ahead to next year's rotation, which could include kidney beans. Kidney beans are competitively priced and highly profitable, making them a great addition to your rotation. Have a safe harvest and call Ben at 715-664-8342 or visit them at cvbean.com to see if growing kidney beans is right for you. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And more on the Farm Report. Brent will be along with us in just a little bit. We're about to 22 minutes before 6 o'clock. Uh, temperature in the low 40s right now. Well, the big one starts on Sunday in Madison, the 55th World Dairy Expo at the Alliant Energy Center. And this year's show is a new schedule. It will start on Sunday and end on Friday afternoon with a selection of the Supreme Champion Dairy Animal of North America. And again, they've listened to the public. They're not only the people coming to the show but also the exhibitors, and uh, they've changed that schedule. So, again, the exhibitors aren't tied up on a weekend, and uh, Saturday is not the most uh, 
uh, the most attended day of the show anyway. And Friday will be uh, a lot of people down there. And about 4 o'clock, they'll crown the Supreme Champion Dairy Animal of North America. And opening day events on Sunday include the National 4-H, National Intercollegiate, and International Post-Secondary Judging Contest, as well as the Youth Fitting and Showmanship events. So lots of folks from our area will be involved. The actual dairy cattle judging starts at 7 o'clock on Monday morning with the International Junior Holstein Show and the International Milking Shorthorn Shows. And then the breed shows continue throughout the rest of the week. Sunday is also the beginning of National 4-H Week. The theme this year is Opportunity for All here in Wisconsin. We've got more than 22,000 4-H members and over 7,000 volunteer leaders. And uh, thank you to all those volunteer leaders. And again, if you, uh, you've got a skill, you know, and it can be used in 4-H. You know, if you're a woodworker or blacksmith or whatever you do, there, they could use that in 4 8, that's for sure. Well, maple syrup producers across the nation and Canada will be in La Crosse next month, October 26th to the 29th. It's the 2022 International Maple Syrup Contest, or conference rather, not a contest, conference. It's the first time Wisconsin had hosted that event in 16 years. Well, let's see. Eau Claire County Farmers Union members are going to miss high school football tonight because they got a meeting as uh, they get their uh, county meetings and regional meetings done before the uh, state conference for the Farmers Union. But the Eau Claire County Farmers Union members, 6 to 8 tonight at the Goat Coffee House, and that's on Water Street in Eau Claire. So that's Eau Claire County Farmers Union members. And uh, coming up, Chippewa County will be October 5th at 7.30 in the evening. That'll be at the Eagle Point Town Hall. And, again, there's all kinds of things going on. Don't forget, Beef in the Classroom grant applications are open right now. The uh, Wisconsin Beef Council providing some money for teachers that want to use beef products in their classes. I know uh, some teachers have already gotten that. Over at uh, Auburndale High School, Mark Knoyer has got a beautiful facility over there now, and he's going to be processing meat, and uh, he got a grant from the Beef Council. Last year, Gary Olson down at Jefferson High School used the grant to host a blind taste testing activity and teach about the different characteristics of uh, beef cuts. Uh, The Fall River School District, they've done it, and a lot of others as well. So get a hold of the Wisconsin Beef Council because applications go through October 1st. Tomorrow is October 1st, so get it done today. So some of the things uh, going on around our area. Also coming up on October 1st, the North American Normandy Association hosting their national Normandy show. That'll be on Saturday, 11 o'clock, and will be done at the Iowa County Fairgrounds in Mineral Point down in southwest Wisconsin. So if you want to take a trip on a beautiful day, do that. As we look at some of our farm news this morning on Wax, brought to you by Marika Gouda in Thorpe. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's get to the markets to see what happened over at the Equity L Tuna Barn yesterday at their Thursday sale. And Jim Lindsay has all the numbers. Choice beef steers nefers dollar twenty to a dollar forty six. Choice dairy cross steers nefers dollar twenty to a dollar forty three. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers dollar thirty one to a dollar forty three. Choice Holstein steers a dollar eighteen to a dollar thirty. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers a dollar seventeen and down. Top twenty percent. 
percent of the cow cows sold from seventy two to ninety. We had a top of ninety four. Sixty percent of the cows sold from fifty to seventy one. Bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from forty nine and down. Organic market from Tuesday, eighty percent of the organic cows sold from ninety to a dollar ten. The bottom twenty percent of the organic cows sold from eighty nine and down. Cold bulls sold from eighty five to a dollar five. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. Eighty percent of the ninety five pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from fifty to one hundred and thirty dollars per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from fifty dollars per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from one hundred to two hundred and forty dollars per head. Sows on Thursday sold from sixty two to seventy. Boars sold from thirty to thirty five. And butcher hogs sold from seventy to seventy five. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, October 7th. We will be featuring bread beef cows at this sale. We will also be celebrating our 100th anniversary on this sale. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder for our Cattle USA, which is available for that sale, or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. More markets on a Friday morning. It's, uh, what is it, 14 minutes before 6 o'clock already. 43 degrees out there, 68 partly cloudy. Should be a beautiful weekend. Partly cloudy, 70, 66 partly cloudy Sunday. Going to be nice out there. Well, let's uh, rain on your parade by bringing in Jerry Fitzgerald from over at Stratford. Morning, Jerry. Oh, good morning, Q, Bob. I don't think uh, markets are pretty good, but I don't think we can top anything like that with the weather forecast. No, and I just and, think you're now. You've got relatives down in Louisiana. They're not in the eye of this storm. I bet. Uh, bet they're happy they're in Louisiana today. Well, I've got relatives in Florida too, oh, and I've yeah. not heard. But I've not heard anything negative, so hopefully everything is okay. But actually, uh, uh, I was talking to my cousin in Louisiana, and he said they they could use some rain over there where he lives. So I don't think it, they can use a foot. No, nobody could. That's that's. Uh, this is a. But you look at the devastation in Florida. We got to be thankful. We might get a little cold weather up here, but we still have to be thankful. I tell you. Well, I guess Those so. Folks, um, they, they have something uh, insurmountable. You know, they. I mean, they're uh, ten seconds. They can lose their whole house and everything. It just comes through so fast. Oh, so. I know it. I know it. It's nasty. That is for sure. And our thoughts and prayers are with those folks. Well, uh, we've got a lot better weather here. We've had an easy week to get cattle to market. How's it been? All right, Bob, thank you, and uh, good morning, everyone. A summary from yesterday, Thursday, this past week here at Equity Stratford. And uh, we'll start out with the market cow auction on the close yesterday. High-yielding fleshy uh, TMR-fed Holstein cows and high-yielding beef cows selling from uh, 76 to 91. Uh, extreme top on the cows this week did reach 97. Most of the cows this week sold between 60 and 76, with your thinner layer carcass cows below 60. On the organic market on Tuesday, high yielding organic cows sold from a dollar to a dollar fifteen. On the bull trade this week, uh, regular market bulls selling from ninety three to a dollar eleven. Lighter weight bulls below ninety. Red cattle trade this week, choice grading Holstein steers mostly from one seventeen to one thirty. Select uh, underfinished cattle one fifteen and below. On the calf market on the close, good quality bull calves weighing ninety two hundred. Pounds selling from fifty to one forty. Uh, earlier in the week, fancy bull calves all the way up to one ninety. Uh, heifer calves mostly from 25 to 50, uh, and big, good quality beef calves on the close, 150 to 350, topping the week earlier in the week up to 400 on the black Angus calves. Just take a look uh, schedule uh, next week at Equity Stratford, full marketing week, of course. Uh, we'll be into October. So, uh, again, our next uh, hay auction will be next Tuesday, our next dairy sale also next Tuesday, October 4th. And looking forward to uh, next uh, Wednesday uh, will be our special bread beef cow sale, breeding bull sale. So, 
folks, if you got red beef cows uh, for that sale, just let us know. And uh, again, that'll be next Wednesday at 12 noon. So, Bob, that's what we have uh, for you this morning. Uh, you guys enjoy the weekend, and, uh, uh, well, a lot of stuff going on. I don't pay too much to college football just yet, but where are the Badgers this week? Badgers are at home, Illinois. So, Brett Bielema is coming back to town, so hopefully we can send him out of town with a loss. But uh, that would be 11 o'clock game, early game tomorrow morning, so you got to get out of bed tomorrow. Well, uh I think most of the people, most of the students in Madison that go to the game, they probably just uh, stay up and continue the party, right? Absolutely. That's what being a student's all about. Hey, you have a good one. We'll talk to you later. You also, Bob. Enjoy the weekend. There he goes. Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Sale Barn. Brent's with us, but let's wrap up the Marcus Board of Trade. Corn was lower. Wheat was lower yesterday. Quiet trade and some profit-taking. Beans a little higher on good demand for oil. And overnight, December corn up four at six seventy four. The oats up four at three eighty six. December wheat up nine at nine oh five. November soybeans this morning up six fourteen seventeen. Meal up a dollar and a half a ton at four hundred eight dollars and seventy cents. Country elevator prices out at Wheat and Grain, Chippewa Falls, Connersville six fourteen on the corn thirteen forty seven on the beans. Doomer's grain down at Holman six oh nine and thirteen thirty seven on the DTN screen. Corn at Golden Plump at Arcadia six nineteen today. Baldwin corn six fourteen beans thirteen thirty seven Duran six oh four and thirteen twenty seven Mondovi six oh nine and thirteen thirty seven Elmwood six fourteen and thirteen forty two corn at Fall Creek is five ninety nine with beans at thirteen twelve Osseo corn six nineteen the beans thirteen forty two Elk Mound six fourteen on the corn thirteen thirty five on the beans at Sparta at six forty on the corn thirteen thirty eight on the beans and Ellsworth has the corn. 594 soybeans 1312 at the ethanol plants, corn at the Boyceville plant and the Richmond grain facility 621 a bushel, Stanley 623. Barrel cheese up four and a half yesterday, 224 and a half. Blocks down two and a quarter, 196 and three quarters. Butter down two at 314 and a half. September class three down two, 1987. October up nine at 2194. November down 11 at 2081. December down 24 at 2050. January down 20 at 2030. Once again, a beautiful day in store for us today. Looking for partly cloudy skies, 68, and uh, good weather. Get out on the chopper again and uh, get some corn chopped. Let's talk about that and uh, other stuff, I'm sure, as well. With Brent Wink this morning on our Winfield United Covering the Crops program. And I imagine farmers don't want to talk to you. They're busy. Yeah, this is the fun time of year to see it all coming together. This week, I... Pretty much got to see it all from corn silage harvest to soybean harvest in some areas and actually even some corn coming out in some areas. Oh, so really? It, uh, I think it was Tuesday I was out in southern, kind of south of the cities and west of the cities and seeing some activity going on out there. And, you know, this year's just going to be kind of the story of whether you got rain or you didn't get rain. And, and uh, on our travels out that way, you saw corn that was completely dead and harvesting and I, I suspect they were drying the corn for for dry grain and then you saw some pretty green stuff that was maybe going up for high moisture but you know the the test weights on corn it's kind of hard to get a a read on it when we're harvesting a little bit wetter your test weights typically are a little lower uh versus once it's had a chance to field dry then those test weights will creep up but did hear some yields on some corn that was taken off on some lighter sandier ground some 140 or 150 bushel corn that was kind of exceeding expectation uh, south of here. Um, 
soybean harvest, when we looked at uh, some of the early reports coming out of Pierce County, St. Croix County, uh, kind of to the west, it's, it started a little sooner over this way. The crops are still a little green, and soybean harvest just not happening quite yet. But a um, lot of yields kind of varying. I was talking with one grower in Pierce County, and he had you know, 60, 65 bushel down through the low areas and the good areas, and it would drop down to 20 bushel on the sand knolls. But really farm average, far, field averages were in the mid-50s. To maybe upper 50s and was was quite pleased with that. We actually had the opportunity to to take out about 100 acres of soybeans yesterday on our farm. And uh, again, where we had kind of a little heavier ground, you saw yields that were that were real respectable. I think on that 100 acres, we're probably averaging in the mid 50s. So it could have been quite a bit better if we would have gotten some rain. Yeah, you guys were dry when the rest of us yeah, got some it, of that rain. Skip yeah, so it, it certainly kind of exceeded our expectations. Uh, so I guess, you know, we'll see what, what comes with that. But one thing as we get going with soybean harvest, I, I really stress that growers kind of take the opportunity to make sure you get uh, current soil samples and then uh, lime, getting lime spread here in the fall. With fertilizer prices as high as they are, a neutral soil pH, we like to see 6.5 to 7.0 for our corn and our soybeans and our alfalfa. When we have that more neutral soil pH, our fertilizer availability becomes so much more accessible in that soil. So it's kind of a cheaper insurance policy to make sure you are getting access to that. Spring applications of lime just don't seem to work out you've got road bands that were kind of up against a lot of the companies that do lime applications have kind of switched a lot of that equipment over for fertilizer applications so make sure you're uh, working with your agronomist getting on the schedule if you need soil samples pulled right when those soybeans start coming off you know try to get those samples pulled well, we've got a nice run of, of dry weather here, and certainly nice to get some of that stuff done. So that's kind of an opportunity that we've got. That frost, I forget what night, uh, that frost kind of brought the season to a screeching halt in a lot of areas. So that's really going to start evening out some of these soybean fields that had leaves left on. Uh, we're really going to see some opportunities, I think, over the next 7 to 10 days to see widespread uh, soybean harvest going on and and certainly it kind of brought an end to the corn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. growing season as well everything's turning fall brown yeah it is really i haven't heard much about standability problems this year in corn no other than where we had those uh freak hailstorm windstorms yeah. here a few weeks ago but uh for the most part it seems to be standing pretty good disease doesn't seem to be as bad as it was in some areas a year ago so hopefully we're able to have a uninterrupted harvest season and a safe harvest season yes yes that was sad news out of dunn county and uh, hopefully we can uh stay safe the rest of the season absolutely safety first thanks brent have a good weekend you bet great weekend for you too brent wake with us on our winfield united covering the crops program and uh, brent's not done yet you're gonna be here what another month easily another month yeah i think the friday before deer hunting is the last show so i'm not a deer hunter not sure what that date is but uh (laughs) that's that's the end of end of the season for me here all right so we still got a lot of information to get to brent every friday morning on our winfield united covering the crops program on wax
And we've got 43 degrees. It's going to be a partly cloudy, beautiful day today for more harvesting. 60, beautiful weekend, too. Partly cloudy, 60s, low 70s. Enjoy it. A lot of things going on. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chelsea family of Ram dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadar. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.